Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find the... Audio-only live stream and the uh, uh, links to social media and the podcast and so much more. Might I suggest, might might I be bold enough to suggest that you go on to your podcasting app and you subscribe to the show uh, utilizing that. Whether it is the, uh, whether it's, you know, iTunes, Apple Podcasts or the Google or CastBox, or Stitcher, or even my favorite, Spotify, uh, to uh, subscribe to the podcast. And you can be amongst the thousands of people who uh, listen to the show each and every week. Um, I was just looking back at some of the metrics, and uh, there's a lot of you listening, and I appreciate that. Uh, we're uh, we're going to hit uh, close to 300,000 downloads in the last 12 months here on the old radio program. And that, my friends, says something. There are more and more Alaskans getting involved, and that is the uh, best part uh, Best part of it. Uh, and Bill just said in the chat room, the best part is you can listen to the podcast at one and a half times speed. So that I can sound like this all the time, and it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. I'll just sound like this the whole time. Um, but <clears throat> you can also get it done in half the time, almost. Well, two-thirds the time, anyway. But uh, it's the only time. That it's We call it Dukes on Demand because it's the only time you can tell me what to do is when you're listening. Pause. Fast forward. Pause. Go back. I want to hear that again. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> you can listen to the podcast each and every day simply by subscribing and you'll never miss a show. It will automatically download it. Um, we're also broadcasting, of course, on regular old terrestrial radio, which, of course, is always free and easy to listen to no matter where you are. And we're broadcasting across the state of Alaska on your favorite radio station and FM translator. So, all right, today is Tuesday. I don't know if that's Taco Tuesday, if it's Tuna Fish Tuesday, or if it is, uh, or if it's something, uh, or if it's something completely different. I don't know if uh, what's going on with that, but it is, uh, it is, it is Tuesday. Your chance to get into the deep dive. The deep dive. We're gonna jump into it. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're gonna jump into it here with um, Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, who's going to be joining us and talking with us about the weekly top three. This week's top three include discussions on the gubernatorial positions on the PFD, this reaction to this uh, ADIA report, which we talked about a little bit last week, but we'll get a little better feel for it from Brad's perspective here this morning, 
And finally, the uh, <clears throat> the battle over Alaska's fiscal plan, um, which is uh, <laughs> which is very interesting, very interesting. We're going to talk about those things with Brad Keithley here in hour one. Then in hour two, we're going to be uh, uh, going to be talking. First, we're going to have a quick hit with Melissa Burnett, who is an FNSB Fairbanks North Starborough School Board. Uh, candidate. Uh, she's in a hotly contested race there in the interior, and uh, she's going to sound off with us real quick as to what's going on. It is election day in the interior today. It is election day for the municipal elections for the Fairbanks North Star Borough in the city of Fairbanks. And I ask the question again, why can't we have all the elections on one day? I'm just just asking. Why just simple? I'm just asking. Why can't we have all the municipal and general elections on one single day? Uh, whether it's the Matsu um, or Fairbanks North Star Borough, or even in Anchorage, where they have the municipal elections in April of all times. Why? Why do we have to? <clears throat> Apparently, we've all got to be difficult, so it's fine. Um, so anyway, we're going to talk with Melissa Burnett, uh, this morning, and then we will get a chance to talk with Chris Story, the man from Homer, who's going to come in and give us our weekly uplift, our weekly positivity boost, our weekly, he's going to entertain us with his knowledge and wisdom of self-help and betterment. That's what it's a, you know. Um, so we're, that's the, that's the show for today. Now, uh, this, the rest, of, should I tell you about the rest of this week? The rest of this week is going to be full and we're working on the following week already. Tomorrow, Russell Wyatt will be joining us. Um, and, uh, he's a, a can, candidate, candidate Russell Wyatt, um, uh, who is going to be joining us. Uh, Russell is the uh, uh, registered Democrat in House District 19, which is uh, in Anchorage. We have not heard yet from Genevieve Mina, who is the other registered Democrat, but this is one of two Democrats in the House District. Uh, this is a, a D on D race here. D on, not D and D, D on D. Democrat on Democrat race. It's only two, only two in the race, and they're both Democrats. So we're going to hear from one tomorrow. And then we're going to hear from um, Josh Church, I believe, is going to be joining us. Unless his baby comes. He's waiting on a baby right now. Uh, in which case, we're going to have uh, an alternate whose name I have briefly forgotten. But it's going to be the con convention yes people. The convention yes. Con yes people will be in the house. Uh, Thursday, Ginger Bryant. And Ron Gillum. And then on Firearms Friday, we have an interview with the Second Amendment Foundation folks. Uh, and it's either going to be Dave Workman or Alan Gottlieb. I'm not sure which. One of the two will be joining us. And then next week, Kelly Shabaka will be joining us on Monday. And Heath Smith and more. So there you go. All right. Um, so uh, it is uh, some headlines, I guess. We'll dive into some headlines and see what's happening. 
You know, we've been seeing in the news and hearing all about the uh, storm that hit the western coast of Alaska, the remnants of Typhoon Murbach, which uh, moved into the uh, Bering Sea region here uh, back uh, in mid-September. And the bad news is um, there's another storm coming. It's not a typhoon. It's not the remnants of a typhoon, but it is a large gale force storm now developing over Russia, of all places, and coming over the Chukchi Sea by uh, by tomorrow, according to the National Weather Service. Winds are expected to increase uh, and remain strong on Thursday and then taper off on Friday, uh, reporting by the ADN says. The strongest winds are expected to hit north of the Bering Strait, and they're expected to be sustained speeds of 40 to 60 miles per hour with gusts up to 75 miles an hour. Winds south of the Bering Sea are estimated to be between 30 and 50 with gusts up to 60. There's going to be some rain, but the big problem is the potential for coastal flooding. And winds could cause additional erosion, of course. Shishmar, Teller, Nome, Golovin, Shaktulik, all expected to see impacts from the storm. Uh, roads were badly damaged in Shishmaref during the last storm. In Nome, there are repairs ongoing to the seawall there. And, of course, Gullivan was the hardest hit by the Typhoon Murbach remnant. Nearly a third of the village houses were significantly damaged, and about seven will be uninhabitable, according to reports. So it's a little spooky to see what they can do. They're working on it right now, and, of course, the big thing is is that uh, the freeze is on the way. I mean, it's about to get uh, cold, uh, and uh, they're desperately struggling to try and get it all taken care of. Uh, but not good news for western Alaska as more storms are expected to hit tomorrow. I mean, that's really the, the – tomorrow is the day. All right. Uh, the Permanent Fund Board of Trustees, after the reporting that came out, from both the Legislative Budget and Audit Committee and their own report, which we talked about last week, over the firing of Angela Rodell, have now decided uh, to uh, replace her. The uh, well, who their replace who her replacement is, I guess I should say. The Permanent Fund Board of Trustees named Acting Revenue Commissioner Devin Mitchell as the new CEO yesterday. Uh, to manage the permanent fund, which is at about $74 billion right now. Um, and uh, the Mitchell is a lifelong Alaskan, served as the state of Alaska's debt manager and the executive director of the Alaska Municip- Municipal Bond Bank Authority since 1998. Uh, quite honestly, I'm not sure exactly what the function of the Alaska Municipal Bond Bank Authority is, but he's been in charge of it. He stepped down from those positions in September when he was named Acting Department of Revenue Commissioner after Linda, uh, Lucinda Mahoney uh, resigned. Um, he's going to take over management of the fund, uh, and uh, uh, which he called Alaska's trump card as a renewable source of revenue during a strained fiscal situation. The fund has lost almost $10 billion in value since the beginning of the year, and the stock market has dropped by 20% over the same period. And uh, he is working to uh, his message to the board is that he wouldn't chase short term cash yields as the fund has been invested for long term growth. He said he doesn't see the CEO's role as second guessing the investment decisions made by 
Marcus Frampton, the corporation's chief investment officer, or overriding his decisions. And uh, so there's a lot of uh, there's been a lot of contention going on in there, but uh, there were over a hundred initial candidates for this before settling down to the top three, um, which, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 they, they picked the guy. So we'll see. Um, he was one of the ones that was the only one that lived in Alaska. Uh, Melanie Harden lives in California. She was the uh, other one. And third finalist was Morgan Neff, who has been working for ADIA since moving from Texas in February. So, uh, we got a lifelong Alaskan in the role. Let's hope that he uh, pulls it off and does a good job. That's the, that's the bottom line there. Any other news I can get to before then? Um, well, we were just talking about ADA, I guess the fiscal plan. We'll talk about all this. We'll, we'll, we're going to dive into this with Brad Keithley anyway. So let's, um, <clears throat> I guess we'll get to it. We'll just, uh, we'll go to break. That'll make it easy. That'll make it easy. We'll go to break and we'll come back and we'll talk with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets for the weekly top three. All right, my friends, don't forget, you can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. You can also go to michaeldukeshow.com to join the core, the common sense core. That's our cool kids club where you help support the show for as little as a cup of coffee a month. You can get access to the private Facebook group and more. Go check it out. We'll tell you more about that here in a minute. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. All right. Um, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> he said Trump. I know he said Trump card. You know, it's 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 kind of disappra- dis- disappointing that I almost didn't read that part simply because it was the Trump card. I mean, because it said, I mean, I you got to be careful these days, right? I said something the other day to somebody about we were talking about some promotion or contest or something i said yeah we, we need to make it great again and he's like you can't say that anymore and i'm like oh god i mean i had no intention i wasn't trying to say that it would no but you just can't use that phraseology anymore okay never mind uh brad keithley alaskans for sustainable budgets i'm only here to crack you up my friend how are you doing I'm doing great, Michael. So the, the solution is you just can't talk anymore. Is that, uh, is that how this boils out? That's kind of it, which really makes it difficult if you're running a talk show that uh, you can't, <laughs> you just can't talk anymore. So sorry, we we can't deal with that right now. It's all it's all in pantomime. Yeah, I know exactly. We'll we, just read my thoughts, and if you're offended, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of tough. Um, so uh, how's how's Brad Keithley? How's life for Brad Keithley? 
doing great. I'm doing great. Good. I'm, I'm Good. Staying staying above water. That's uh, staying that's, well. That's all you can ask for. As long as you're treading water, you know, Jack, don't go. It'll be fine. You know, as long as you're treading water and uh, and you're and you're doing good. Um, we uh, are ready to dive into this. I've given people the tease here for what we yeah. uh, for what we got going on. And uh, I'm curious, what do you think? Uh, this is I don't know if you'll touch on this uh, with with one of the with the number three on the eighty report, but what's your take on the appointment of uh, of Devin Mitchell? What what do you think? I mean, is this an inspired pick, an uninspired pick? You got any opinion on this? Well, we discussed Devin the, a few weeks ago when he was named acting revenue commissioner, and I think uh, I think my my term was uninspired. It was an uninspired choice. I, I the 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 permanent corp, the permanent fund corporation role is different than the Department of Revenue role. Permanent fund corporation role is you wake up every morning and you need to be thinking about how do how do I position uh, this corporation to you know maximize returns over the long term. Department of Revenue role, uh, I think you ought to wake up every morning and go, how do I balance? How do I get a better balance to the to the revenue of the state to lower the impact on the economy and to and to make it equitable across Alaska families? So they're different roles. Devin, uh, as I described him um, when we were talking about him for revenue commissioner, Devin is he's a cheerleader. He's been a cheerleader for, for whatever the, for whatever administration that's been in power wants. He, for example, when Walker was in power, he went to uh, wall street and said, don't worry about our bonds because we got this thing called the permanent fund that spins off earnings and we'll just use our earnings to, to cover whatever deficits we have. So don't worry about, don't worry about the coverage ratio on our bonds, essentially, you know, not talking about the PFD and the role the PFD plays. And I've, I've been a big critic of, of that spin that he put on it, that the Walker administration put on it and that Devin put on it uh, in the Wall Street discussions. So I don't expect him, I don't expect him to play a major role in preserving the PFD, I guess, uh, <laughs> in this new role, but maybe that's not that maybe that's not what you want out of a permanent fund. Right. No, it's yeah. well, I mean, again, uh, we seem to be living right in a fortune cookie right now. May you live in interesting times. It definitely, although I'm sure that's what everybody says uh, throughout history. They've all said, this is very interesting times that we live in, uh, never understanding uh, how we nostalgically yearn for the simpler times sometimes. Um, all right. Well, we're going to dive into this here in about 40 seconds here, Brad. So hold the line and uh, we'll uh, continue with here uh, you here in just a moment. And uh, and and be ready to go. So Good. don't go anywhere. I just I've muted you. Muted you. I'm done with you. We're going to be back here uh, in just a second, folks. Uh, the Michael Duke Show continues again. Please like and uh, share the show. Please like and follow the show page. Oh, man. You know, I turn it down every morning and it always I have to turn it down twice and I never remember to turn it down the second time. That's just to keep you guys on your toes. I just want you guys to be awake. And uh, not spill your coffee. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. All right, we're already, we're already already. 
It is the weekly top three, which, um, you know, not to be too uh, not to be too brazen here, but these are three stories that Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets think are important for you to know. And uh, since uh, since I bring him on the program, we let him do that. We let him bring those things to us, and we're going to talk about that right now. Good morning, sir. How are you? Uh, how are you doing this morning? Michael, I'm doing great today. How about you? You know, there are absolutely no complaints. I, I went outside this morning, and it was not raining. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> and on top of that, it wasn't snowing. So, I mean, it's, it's a win, you know, at this point. So... Um, I mean, yesterday morning it was like 43 degrees and I thought, well, maybe we'll make it through. I don't want to jinx it. Never mind. I won't even say a thing. Um, <laughs> all right, Brad. So, but it wasn't, uh, but it wasn't raining this morning. It was not raining this morning, which is of course, as I said, always a plus. All right. Um, so we're going to start off with a weekly top three and you're going to start off by quantifying the positions of the candidates, the gubernatorial candidates, as it were. Um, on the PFD. So let's get let's get started there. Well, I've heard a lot of discussion or we've heard a lot of discussion about various about the PFD positions of the various candidates. Uh, Dunleavy, you know, talks about the POMB 50 50. Uh, Les talks about a strong PFD uh, and he's in favor of a strong PFD. Um, and Walker talks about, you know, a PFD that, that we can afford. Um, but but they really haven't quantified the PFDs, and you know, and, and in connection with the fact that I you know live my life by charts anymore, um, uh, I, I thought I would take a shot at trying to quantify it. Wasn't that difficult? Uh, the Permanent Fund Corporation publishes uh, projections uh, on a monthly basis um, that you can use. They projections of both the what the dividend or the permanent fund the POMB draw is going to be, and projections of what the statutory net income is, so you can calculate what the PFD is going to be from that for 10 years forward. And so I used that as a baseline and, uh, and, and looked at quantifying what, what each of these candidates are talking about compared to the statutory PFD, compared to the baseline of the statutory PFD. And um, it, it, so it, it is interesting. I mean, it surprised me a little bit um, uh, that, that these numbers were, uh, were, came out where they, where they did. All three, all three candidates are proposing cuts uh, from the statutory PFD. Um, Dunleavy's POMV 5050 uh, averaged over 10 years using the 10-year projections that are published by the Permanent Fund Corporation and then calculating what Dunleavy's PFD would be and comparing that to the statutory PFD. Dunleavy's uh, uh, POMV 5050 ends up at about 70% uh, on average over the 10 years. Uh, uh, of of what the uh, statutory PFD would be, so he's got about a thirty percent cut uh, in the statutory PFD in his proposal. Seems bad, but the other two are worse. Les talks about uh, a, a strong PFD, and his twenty two hundred looks a lot like uh, Dunleavy's uh, POMB fifty fifty. They're within about a hundred dollars of each other right up front in FY twenty three or FY twenty four. But over time, Les just sort of grows his by inflation, while Dunleavy's POMB 5050 is at least growing by uh, the rate of return uh, of the Permanent Fund Corporation, which we, which the Permanent Fund Corporation assumes is positive over time and is, and is a faster growth rate than inflation rate. So over time, right. 
Dunleavy's gets gets uh, higher than uh, higher than Less's. They start close, but but over time, because of the difference in the return rates or the difference in the growth rates, uh, they get uh, they they separate. And Less's comes in at about fifty eight percent, sixty percent, if you will, uh, of the statutory PFD. Look at another way uh, where Dunleavy's is POMV fifty fifty. Less's is about POMV forty. Uh, 60, about, it's about 40% of the, P, the PFD is about 40% of the POMV uh, draw. And what's really interesting about that, for those that recall the last election cycle, Mark Begich's proposed PFD uh, in that election cycle was 40%, a POMV 40, uh, 40 to, um, uh, uh, to the PFD, 10% to education, 10% to something else, and then uh, and then you know inflation proofing was a was a large part of the remainder of that. So um, it it's um, uh, it, it lesses looks a lot like uh, the Begich uh, proposal uh, the last election cycle. Once you once you sort of walk through it, Walker's uh, Walker's been very um, uh, uh, careful not to define a number on his PFD. But if you look at what the leftover would look, would look like if you looked at what uh, Ivy Spahn holds, Kathy Giesel, others of his supporters have said uh, the PMV would look like over time. It looks a lot like the 2575 uh, POMV that was in uh, Ivy Spahn holds bill in the House and was in SB 199 over right. in the Senate uh, this last legislative session. So that comes out to about uh, uh, 35% uh, of the statutory PFD over the 10 year period, half. Uh, of Dunleavy's. So if you if you believe in the statutory PFD, all three candidates, uh, major candidates, uh, are disappointing. I mean, they're they're all three at, at significant reductions. Dunleavy, even Dunleavy at, at, at right. 30 percent reduction well, from the statutory PFD. And in all fairness, uh, you haven't mentioned Charlie Pierce. He said he favors a statutory PFD, although there's no, uh, I haven't seen a fiscal plan as to how that will work out. But so assumingly, you could say that the blue line is Pierce at this point, because that's the only plan that he's really put. It's the only thing he's really put forward is that he feel he uh, would support a statutory PFD, right? Yeah. Uh, to the extent Charlie has a campaign anymore, it's it's hard to hard to find stuff on, on that campaign. But but yes, you could say that. Um but you're right. He hasn't said how how he would work the rest of the budget. I mean, Dunleavy could say Dunleavy did say in 2018 that he would have favor a statutory PFD or supported a statutory PFD and indeed the payback of the underpayments of the statutory PFD in prior periods. But that didn't work out with the legislature. So um, Pierce hasn't outlined how he could achieve uh, a statutory PFD. I well, I mean, again, looking at these numbers, you could see exactly and you could see we've had some Democrats on here recently and they've all basically been talking about how the um, the the permanent fund, the corpus of the fund should be used for government. In fact, we had one yesterday say that's really what it should all be used for. It's just all for government. And you could see that here in in these numbers and in this graph that I'm showing up on the screen and in the numbers you just talked about that you could see more and more they're looking to gather more and more for government. And I would say that this chart is misleading in one way because I don't think that by the time we reach 2030, there would be any PFDs left for the people. I think it would all be sucked up by government at that point. 
I think it's very optimistic to say that by 2030, 2029, there would be any permanent fund left for the people, that it would all be being consumed by government at that point. Well, it's certainly, I mean, that's certainly a possibility, but at least Les is saying he would fix it at 2200 adjusted by uh, adjusted by inflation over time. There, there's there's a, th- this, I, I don't have it on this chart, but there's an interesting thing that pops up when you do it this way. I mean, Les talking about a strong PFD, I mean, that was his initial phrasing before he started quantifying it. Um, he, he combined that with talking about oil taxes, increasing oil taxes, and oil taxes would be used to underpin this strong PFD and would be used also to underpin the additional spending that he wants to do. Well, his his PFD isn't very strong. I mean, his PFD is, uh, as as we've got on the chart, is about a you know, 58, 60% of, of statutory PFD. It's about a 40% cut uh, in the in the statutory uh, statutory PFD, so he's he he he's contemplating a lot of government growth because he's really he's he's he his proposal on oil taxes is to increase oil taxes substantially by reducing uh, by reducing the credits, um, and if that's not if that's not supporting a a PFD that's even equal to Dunleavy's, then that's leaving a lot of money left over for additional government spending. So there's there's some knock-on effects uh, of, uh, of of his position that that aren't showing up on the chart, but showing a substantial amount, a, a diversion of a substantial amount of revenue uh, over to uh, over to increased government spending. By the time you take into account the combination of increased oil taxes plus uh, the reduction in the in the PFD that uh, that he's proposing. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. Um, I guess this gives us a, a, a good snapshot of what we would be expecting from governors in this regard. Um, have any one of them given us a certain fiscal plan that would achieve these numbers? No, Les would, te- Les would tell you that he has uh, because of the uh, increased oil taxes. But we've, you know, two years ago, we had a, we had a ballot measure on increased oil taxes that failed 58 to 42, failed by 16%. So the achievability, the the, the honesty, the, the, the likelihood of achieving those oil tax increases that he's talking about is very low. And so the, the likelihood of having the revenues needed to support both his spending and the PFD he talks about is very low. And so the likelihood of, of even deeper PFD cuts uh, uh, from his administration, if he goes through with the spending, uh, is 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 much more likely. So it, there's not a there's there's his complete fiscal plan really leads you to be because it's so dependent on oil tax increases, really leads you to be uncomfortable about about you know the, the ability to achieve these PFD levels. Right. Walker Walker's Walker's is is I mean it, it, the good and the bad of it is is Walker's probably accurate uh, in, in what he would be able to achieve uh, in PFDs, but it's because he's cutting the PFD so deeply uh, and diverting so much over to, uh, over to government spending to support government spending that, uh, that there, as you, as you pointed out, there isn't much of a PFD left and maybe even less of a PFD by the time we get to 2030. So the, 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 the fiscal Walker's fiscal plan sort of works, but it works because he just cuts the PFD so, so deeply. Right. Right. Dunleavy's Dunleavy's fiscal plan um, is highly dependent on being able to restrain spending, 
Um, if you look at the 10-year forecast, uh, uh, adjusting the the spending levels for what we for the changes that were made in the last uh, in the last legislature, the long-term changes that were made in the last legislature, and adjusting them just for inflation, um, Dunleavy slips back into deficit uh, with these PFD levels. Dunleavy even with these PFD levels, Dunleavy Dunleavy slips back into deficits by the end of. Uh, of his four-year term using current oil prices, current oil price projections, the current futures market. So his achievement, there's also significant questions about the achievability of his. Can he, even if he holds spending at inflation, just inflation, um, growth to, to inflation, um, he slips back into uh, deficits. He has to reduce, in order to balance the budget, he has to actually reduce spending. And that's something, frankly, that he hasn't done uh, over the over the course of the four years. He did it the first couple of years, but these last two years, when you take into the when you take into account the supplemental uh, spending that occurred for FY22 uh, in this last legislature, as well as the FY23 spending, it just blew out you know blew out any savings that he had achieved over the first two years. So his credibility in terms of being able to even hold spending at inflation is very low, much less uh, needing to have have real cuts uh, in spending, real as against inflated against inflation, real cuts in spending. Um, the credibility of that's fairly low. So, well, I guess it makes it for an either an easy or difficult decision, depending on how you look at it and where you stand on the PFD and government spend. Uh, we'll have to see how that works out. Brad, give me a tease for number two here: the ADA report. So Ada has uh, uh, Salmon State, uh, Greg Erickson and Milt uh, Baker uh, Barker uh, did a report, economic report on uh, Ada uh, for Salmon State. Ada's disputed the report. Um, there's a reason why the returns are so low that Milt and, uh, and Greg found. I think, I think they're more correct about their returns than Ada is. But we'll talk about we'll talk about the factors that are going on and why that report looks the way it does uh, when we come back uh, from the break. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. Uh, don't forget, you can uh, join us in the chat room during the break if you'd like. The uh, way to reach us is just easiest. Go to Facebook, facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show, facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show, or twitch.tv slash Michael Duke Show. Either one of those will get you right to it. We're going to be back with more right after this, The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Brad Keithley, our guest. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, Brad Keithley, our guest here uh, in the the, uh, break uh, as we continue to go forward here. Um, Salmon State says, Barbara, sounds fishy to me. Um, yeah, uh, I think this is going to be an interesting discussion because, and, and I don't know, Brad, I'm sure you'll get into this, but I don't know if this is a, a, a fair comparison 
Wait, I'll wait to get into that. I'll wait to get into that because uh, I want to talk about that. But uh, uh, I guess let me let me touch on briefly since several people brought it up in the chat room, and uh, and I think you really touched on a nerve uh, for some some people um, is the uh, is the exclusion of uh, of Charlie Pierce from that chart, um, and I think you touched on it. His campaign has gone. Uh, it's like vaporware. It's like it's you know I haven't heard from him. I haven't seen him. Um, he's been radio silent. Uh, he's not been fundraising. He's not been doing. Any, I mean, this is you know kind of like what Dunleavy's doing, but Dunleavy at least has got the power of the incumbency and all the polling ahead of him. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what's well, happened. Dun- I don't know what's happened dun- here. Dunleavy's at least issuing press releases. I yeah. Mean- it's it's it, it there you know you got to question sometimes what's the content of the press release but at least he's issuing press releases right. i mean I, I i understand charlie may have personal issues and i understand that maybe you know that may be a reason for not being on the campaign trail but you it, it's hard to take a candidate seriously if if he's not if he's not out there campaigning if he's not out there issuing press releases if he's not talking about the issues i mean i i i'll still rank charlie i i'll still uh, uh, certainly uh, vote for him. I'm not going to, you know, entirely dismiss him, but, but, you know, let's be honest, he's not out there talking about a plan, uh, that, uh, that, you know, you, the fiscal plan that he, that he would have, or the PFD plan that he would have. I mean, you can go to the website and sort of, you can sort of, you know, parse some of it out, but, uh, right. It's, it's hard. It's hard to talk about a full plan if the candidate himself, uh, isn't talking about, right. <laughs> isn't talking about a plan. At least, at least from Dunleavy's standpoint, you can look at like the ten-year plan that the administration issued last December. You can look at the press releases. You can look at, you know, statements he's made. You can look at the actions he took in the legislature when, for example, he vetoed the e-cigarette tax. Let's see if I can get us going on that again. Oh, no, but don't uh, get me started. <laughs> um, but you can you can look at all that. And Les is out there certainly talking about his. He's got a website that, you know, will just put you to sleep it's got so many words on it and you can sort of piece together what he's doing. And Walker's got, you know, the past four years or the, his prior four years as governor and he's got the statements he's made and he's got the supporters that, that have proposed plans that he, that he endorses. Um, so you can piece that together, but Charlie, I mean, there, there's no past record to go to like there is with Dunleavy there and Walker. There's no, there's no complete uh, website like there is with Les. There's no, presentations at, uh, at, you know, the chamber or other places. There's no uh, debate presentations. There's no uh, 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 responses to, you know, questions from the press. There's no press releases. How, how do you, I mean, we all know what we think Charlie's position is on stuff, um, uh, but it's just hard to, it's hard to give credibility to a campaign that, that isn't talking, isn't, right. isn't, isn't issuing press releases isn't out there in the public. Yeah. No, I'm um I, I would I would really uh I would really like to see uh I would really like to see uh, more movement on this and and something come out of this. I know that the whole blow up in the city uh or in the borough and all that kind of stuff. I know that was a problem, but we we got to we 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 got to keep we got to keep moving on. We got to keep moving on figuring out what we're doing here. So, uh it's important. It- and if somebody wants a proxy on that chart about for Charlie, uh, okay, use the use the blue line. But you know, then the question you ask, how realistic are these? Um, 
you know, we don't know for Charlie because we don't know what the rest of the plan is. Um, he started out, he had this great editorial on, on K through 12, right? And that the problem with K through 12 is the amount of spending we're doing, we're doing on the administrative level. And I can, his, his pitch was, I can get that under control and we can reduce K through 12 spending by reducing the amount that's spent on administration. Great start. Uh, but that was sort of it. <laughs> and then we went into the void. So it's, um, we, we just don't know, we, we, we can't assess the, the, the likelihood of being able to achieve those PFD levels like we, like, you know, I talked about with Dunleavy and Guerra and Walker. We can't talk about the likelihood of achieving those PFD levels uh, without knowing, you know, what the rest of the plan is. Right. Well, I'm, I mean, again, I'm hoping that uh, I'm going to rank Charlie um, and I'm and uh, going to have to rank Dunleavy. I can't, I can't uh, in good conscience rank either of the other two right now, but uh, I guess if nothing else, the stalking horse to prevent the Kirka thing was, I guess the best that we can a- hope to achieve at this point uh, on this, uh, on this one. Well, it, it, to, to be successful, Charlie's actually got to bring in votes. I mean, the whole the whole thing about finishing number four is you bring in additional votes that otherwise weren't going to vote for the for uh, uh, for the the, yeah. you know, the Republican candidate, and you bring in those additional votes, and they at least rank the Republican candidate or rank Governor Dunleavy second. All right, got to bring in those go. additional votes for that to work. We got to go. We got to go. Hold the line here, by Brad Keithley, our guest. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're continuing now our discussions, the weekly top three. Right now, it's the ADIA report. Salmon State put out a surprise report, surprise, um, on ADIA's uh, actions. Um, and I guess the first thing I got to say, Brad, I tried not to say it during the break um, because I thought. You know, you and I have talked a lot about this in-state Alaska investment and all these kind of things and how it's kind of a boondoggle for the permanent fund. But ADIA is a funding source for businesses, usually as a loan bank and other things that has allowed it. And so I did think that in one way, uh, the Salmon State's report of, and I'm sure you'll get into this, of uh, of comparing the returns on investment for ADIA to the permanent fund were kind of an apples and oranges comparison because they're not necessarily designed to do the same thing, but uh, there were some interesting things. So give me your take on the report here overall. Well, they're not designed to do the same thing, but but I'm not sure what ADA is designed to do is is a good th- is a good thing, um, or or how it operates with what it's designed to do is a good thing. Here's the fundamental problem. ADA is never, ever, 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 ever going to produce the kind of returns that the permanent fund does for one reason. There's no, there's, there's no, you create additional jobs. You say your, your role is to create additional jobs. Okay. So you create additional jobs. You say your role is to create additional uh, economic activity, additional investment, additional, you know, uh, uh, profits to private sector, to the private sector. Uh, resulting from those investments. Okay, you do that. You do a great job at all that. The state gets no return out of that. We have no return on on additional employment. There's no, there's we don't tax, uh, we don't even tax sales, but we don't tax income. 
there's no return that comes to the state out of additional employment, out of additional uh, people in the state, additional employment in the state. In fact, it hurts the state to have additional additional uh, people in the state under our under our current fiscal structure. There's no significant return that comes to the state out of additional economic activity uh, and additional investment and additional business and additional profits in the state because we have a very we have a fairly slender corporate tax um, and and doesn't and, and it doesn't uh, generate a lot of uh, a lot of revenue from that. So ADA because it focuses on things that aren't that don't produce returns to the state is always going to be deficient when you compare it to the when you compare it to the permanent fund because the permanent funds out there taking its capital investing it getting getting returns uh, uh, on its capital on its on its equity investment ADA is 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 not trying to achieve those sorts of returns they're trying to achieve returns in other ways in terms of additional employment or additional economic activity and you're just not going to get uh, you're just not going to under our current fiscal structure because we don't generate revenues off of off of employment or off of additional profits. Uh, you're just not going to get the same type of returns out of ADA. So this this study was a foregone conclusion from the outset because you're you're not getting the same sort of thing. You're not getting the same. You're not you're not getting returns back to the state out of the type of activity that ADA's uh, trying to generate. I will say this, that I think um, that I think this study sort of resurfaces things that we talked about before when we when we you know had the grain silos in Valdez or when we had the barley project or when we when we had the fish processing plant now church um, in South Anchorage. Ada has a very hit and miss uh, sort of history. it It sometimes hits good on projects. Um, uh, the, the project up in Nome, uh, uh with Tech Cominco is a, is a good project. They've gotten good returns off of the road that they build up there, that they financed up there. Um, but, but they sometimes have very bad, uh, projects as well. I mean, we've got $10 million now tied up in, in bids for Anwar that are never, ever going to go anyplace. Uh, but you know, we've tied up uh, money up there as opposed to putting it to, uh, to more productive use. So it's, it, it, it is hit and miss. And the problem I have with ADA and the problem I would have if the permanent fund tried to duplicate what ADA does, which is come in the state and try to generate economic activity uh, in the state, what some people want the permanent fund uh, to do as well. Um, it, it is, it is it, it, one, it's not producing returns to, we're taking state money, investing it, but not getting returns back to the state. The, the returns are generally going to the private sector in terms of additional employees and in terms of additional profits for the private sector. We're sort of subsidizing those activities by using by using state money. Um, but second, um, it, it's hit and miss. And, and, and to some degree, that's because it's politically driven. Uh, you know, politics drove, we want a fish plant in South Anchorage. Politics drove, we want a barley project. Politics drove, we want a, uh, we want a, 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 a grain silos in uh, in Valdez. I mean, we have these political agendas that get mixed into sort of an industrial policy, a state industrial policy where we're subsidizing, you know, some some industries trying to make them winners as opposed to losers. Um, and, and that's always going to be sort of hit or miss. Um, so it's, 
it's 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 identifying you know the 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 problem that we have with ada in terms of being plus or minus politically driven uh being plus or minus you know subsidies role being to subsidize industry i've always sort of accepted ada as as you know as that's just what it's going to do we want to have something that we say sets industrial policy for the state and so we've got ada and we're going to put some money into it let's just not put a whole lot of money into it and let right. not not have a whole lot of money go down the sink and let's god let's not have the permanent fund duplicate what ada is doing and you know and bring additional money into right. those sorts of projects right. let's just let's just sort of keep it confined to ada um, uh, I've, I've never, you know, never gone so far as to say we ought to just do away with ADA, uh, because it has had some successes and, you know, maybe that's, we need some outlet for those, those people who want to try to generate jobs, uh, at a state level, uh, try to generate jobs, but let's just keep it confined. Um, but anyway, I, I think the report is accurate in the sense that ADA is not going to produce those sorts of returns. It's never going to produce those returns and right. it's sort of. Foolish, foolish to think that's that's right. what it's ever going to do. Like I said, a little bit of apples and oranges there. Uh, I mean, it was you know, uh, it's true, but it's not necessarily uh, true in that regard. Uh, all right, let's come to the number three uh, quickly here, which is the battle over Alaska's fiscal plan. Larry Persilli has a piece. I mean, God love Larry Persilli; he can write. Uh, he wrote a piece uh, in the ADN. Uh, talking about, uh, you know, kind of this whole perilous condition about how we, the permanent fund, and, and essentially, um, well, I'll let you get into it here quickly. Well, it, it, it's, a, it's an accurate article in the sense that what he says is oil prices are down, uh, that reduces state revenue, uh, uh, permanent, fund, uh, permanent fund investments are down, the stock market's down, it's taken, you know, the permanent fund's gone down uh, with it, that's going to produce less returns. Uh, in the future, not we're not going negative. We're not going to have you know a, a negative return, but it's producing uh, 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 smaller returns uh, in the future. And so those two revenues, the two, state's two primary revenue streams are both going down. That that exacerbates the fiscal situation that we've already already found ourselves in. Here's, I mean, it, it's typical, Larry, and and you're never going to get him to talk about anything else. But here here's here's what's going on. We've got people who are talking about the fiscal fiscal situation as all or nothing. You either got to do away with the PFD or you've got to give us our full PFD. You, you can't have taxes. You got to have tax. It, it, it is. It, we've got everybody divided up on sides saying, I've got to win everything. I can't. You know, I'm not going to give you any wins. I'm not going to compromise with you. And so we just sort of it, it, we end up in this suspended animation. Fiscal policy is in suspended animation, just sort of floating along without without a real plan, just a lot of battles about which side the plan is going to be on. This is really a pitch to go back to the le the, the legislature's uh, fiscal policy working group. They came up with a real plan. They came up with a plan that had numbers that worked. They came up with a plan that sort of resolved this issue going forward, and they did it by not coming at it and saying, I've got to win everything. You lose all. You lose everything. I've got to get my full PFD. You, you, you've got to give in and, and, and cut spending completely to accommodate the full PFD. Or I've got to spend everything I want. And you've got to give up on the PFD. They came to a compromise that compromised those things. And that's the only way we're going to get through a fiscal plan that's robust enough to survive the ups and downs of 
the oil prices going up, oil prices going down, stock market going up, stock market going down. To, we, we're going to need that sort of comprehensive plan to uh, to get through this. Well, we've talked about it. I mean, it's a plan. It's one that uh, both sides came together on and kumbaya on. Unfortunately, the business as usual crowd doesn't want to talk about it. And uh, we'll have to see what the makeup of the legislature looks like after November uh, to get a feel as to whether or not that's going to come through. Brad, thank you for coming uh, coming on board as usual and joining us. We appreciate you being part of it. Uh, thanks for being uh, with the show today. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. All right, folks, Hour 2 is dead ahead. We're going to be talking with Melissa Burnett from the Fairbanks North Star Borough uh, for running for school board. We're going to have a quick hit with her, and then we're going to dive into it with uh, Chris Story for our weekly uplift. That's all directly ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. If you got to go, be kind, love one another, live well. Let's go. We'll see you. Uh, Brad, um, I got a quick question for you. One of the things that really stuck out to me in Larry's article, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I'm going to read this little blurb to you and you can tell me if I'm wrong. I read this uh, piece and I was like, what? Uh, Larry says that uncommitted fund balance of $3.6 billion in the earnings reserve is what he's talking about. That uncommitted fund balance isn't all that much when you realize stocks and bonds and real estate values can continue falling, cutting deeper into that number. This is the money that's available in the earnings reserve. To which I say, wait a second, the earnings reserve is, although it's part of the permanent fund itself, it's a separate account, it's not affected necessarily by the losses in that regard because it is the earnings that are spun off into that account. Am I wrong on that? I mean, I thought, I mean, it may affect the corpus overall value, but there is a set dollar amount in the earnings reserve account that is there from the earnings, right? Am I, am I, am I wrong on that or am I reading that wrong? Am I reading that wrong? Well, a portion of the earnings reserve is um, is also paper profits, um, and it is the paper profits on the balance that's in the earnings reserve. Um, so you've got um, you've got some uh, paper profits that are in there. We do a report. I do a chart once a month at the end of the month, toward the end of the month, uh, that looks at the earnings reserve and divides it into the portion that's already appropriated. That's already you know designated to be going to, to certain uses, the portion that's hard cash, uh, and the portion that is, uh, that's paper profits. And, um, and there is a portion in there that's paper profits, but it's not, it's not the full 3.5, uh, billion. I can't recall what the last, uh, what the last numbers were, but it's not the full 3.5 billion. So Larry's, Larry's in part, um, overblowing the situation because of that. Um, uh, but it's not, it's not as simple as there's no paper profits in the, uh, in the earnings reserve. There, there are some in the earnings reserve. The only reason I ask that is because it seems like a lot of times we had a candidate on yesterday that did not understand the difference between the permanent fund and the permanent fund dividend, the differences in the, uh, in the funds themselves and, and, you know, couldn't really answer the questions as to, and so I think that, again, there's a lot of misinformation or in some cases, malinformation that it kind of is, is being spread that is, uh, you know, bugging people. And, and, uh, I think it, I think sometimes it's intentionally meant to confuse. Yeah. It's, um, there is a surprising thing about the earnings reserve. If you look at that, that, you know, that we need to keep in mind, if you look at the earnings reserve up until, um, June 30th, July 1st, uh, through the last fiscal year, 
the 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 amount available for appropriation, the the undesignated amount, the amount that was sort of our uh, our uh, savings, <laughs> our final savings account, was was higher. It was was above seven seven billion dollars, and now it's down at three billion dollars, and that's a, that's a big step down, uh, down into down into a lower level. And what happened was. In the last legislature, one of the things they appropriated was they appropriated a full amount for the um, inflation proofing, which they hadn't done in a number of legislatures before that. So we were sort of carrying this additional amount in the earnings reserve that had they done full appropriations for the inflation proofing would have already been out of there. But because they hadn't, it was sort of sitting in there and and was a number that helped inflate you know, when Governor Dunleavy talked about how much we've got in the earnings reserve that right. we, can, we can count on to, you know, pay additional <clears throat> dividends or, or, to, or to do this or do that. Um, it sort of inflated that number by sitting in there. Now that they've appropriated in this coming fiscal year, now that they've appropriated, or in the current fiscal year, now that they've appropriated to the inflation proofing, it's taken that number down, that float number down to the, you know, $3 billion uh, range. And frankly, you know, that's not a lot. If you look, if you would, if you assumed, for example, three years of crashed oil prices, three years of down earnings, uh, reduced earnings in, uh, uh, in Wall Street. And so the, so the permanent fund draw, the POMV draw uh, was, uh, was starting down um, and no adjustments to, to spending that we, you know, we have to have all this stuff. So we keep spending. Um, the only place to go, I mean, we've ran through the SBR, we've ran through the, we're largely run through the CBR. The only place left to go, uh, is, is earnings, that is, yeah. is, is the earnings reserve. Right. And $3 billion is, you know, keeping in mind that we've run through $15 billion in the last decade, uh, uh of saying, you know, it's going to change right. tomorrow. We're just going to, $3 billion isn't much yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. When, when you, when you think about it in that context. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, uh, thanks for sticking with us on this uh, and uh, finishing up. Uh, we look forward to seeing what happens next week. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting week as it always is during a, <laughs> during a campaign cycle. Maybe Charlie will come back. Maybe we'll I, I, Charlie. <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. And then- and then maybe I could do a fiscal analysis of, of Charlie's His plan. plan. Right, exactly. All right, Brad, thank you so much for coming on board. We appreciate you joining us today. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. In the green room right now is Melissa Burnett. Let's bring her on board and see what she has to say this morning. Test her audio, video, everything else. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you, Dukes? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Let me turn you down just a little bit because you're loud and proud. Oh, you morning. know I'm loud. Yeah, you I know, know I'm loud. I know you're loud. I know it's good. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, we're going to uh, we're going to be jumping back into it here in less than a minute. You're all ready to uh, go and rock and roll. I'm ready to rock and roll. Okay, Melissa Bur- Burnett for school board is uh, who we're talking about today and who we're dealing with for like I said, a little bit of a quick hit here, 15 minutes or so, and we're going to talk with her here in just a second. And uh, and of course, don't forget today is election day for municipal elections uh, here, and I guess down on the peninsula too. So uh, anyway, it's a it's a good opportunity for folks to uh, to go out there and exercise your rights. So hold the line here, Melissa. We'll be right back to you, and uh, <clears throat> we will be fine. We'll be fine with this, uh, folks. Like and share. Like and share. Like and follow the show page. 
and uh, make sure that you uh, subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube, do all the YouTubey things and the Twitch things and all that stuff. And don't forget to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Michael Duke Show. All right, here we go. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Let's get it done. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com. That's where you pick up the audio-only live stream links to our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and, of course, the podcast. Almost 300,000 listens this year already, so uh, for the last 12 months. Let me clarify that. Uh, Anyway, it's good stuff, and we're ready to do it. We're continuing now with our candidates. This is just a quick little hit here because today's election day, but I wanted to get a sneak it in here at the last minute. Uh, I've been meaning to do this and I have not. I wanted to talk with my friend, Melissa Burnett, who is a candidate for school board in the Fairbanks North Star Borough, which has been experiencing a bit of a tug of war between the left and the right uh, over the last, well, seven years since I left. Um, I watched it as I left the borough assembly. I started a pretty balanced borough assembly. When I left, there was only two conservatives left on it. And it's kind of been that way, well, ever since. It's been a struggle to try and find some more balance. Uh, Melissa is running for school board in the Fairbanks North Star Borough, and she is trying to bring that balance to the program. So let's go over to her this morning and get things started and say good morning. Good morning, uh, Melissa. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. I am Peachy King Jellybean. How are you, Duke? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm I'm all ready to talk a little bit about it. So for folks who don't know you, let's talk a little bit about Melissa Burdett, who you are, where you are, where you came from, and then we'll go on from there. Yeah, so um, Melissa Burnett running for school board seat D. Um, I've been in Alaska for 16 years. I'm not born and raised. I came from Michigan, but uh, moved here 16 years ago. And let me tell you, I found a home. I got three kids here in our district. um, And honestly, if you've ever listened to a Fairbanks North Star Borough School District school meeting, a school board meeting, um, you know, we got a very divisive board. Um, It's constant battles they don't listen um the community here feels that just everything that happens is not at their whim or not at their will um and it's time to stop that it's time to bring it back um our community is very important our parents are important um our teachers are important and it's time to focus on the things that are important like our reading our writing our math and not some of this nonsense i mean our kids are kind of paying the price here Right. Exactly. Uh, let's talk for a second about what, uh, I mean, you know, you're a busy lady, you got a lot of stuff going on, you got kids and everything. What, uh, when exactly did you lose your mind and decide that, uh, 
you know, I really need to jump into this thing called politics because, you know, I don't have anything else going on. What what, what was the, what was the turning point? Was there a, a one issue? Was it a cumulative, you know, build up? What was it? Um, it was actually kind of an accumulative thing. Like you said, it's not like I don't have a million things going on, right? I'm a hockey mom. I got radio. I got all kinds of things happening. But um, it started with my son. My son, uh, my 14-year-old, he's a type 1 diabetic. He was diagnosed uh, three years ago now. And it's been a constant battle to keep a nurse in the school. And not just nurses, but to get teachers and to get the counselors and everybody to just follow the 504 and the IEP plans. And it's hard for our teachers to concentrate and focus on our students that have these special needs when they're sitting with enormous class sizes. So it started with the diabetes. It continued on when our class sizes started growing. Um, we started losing our teachers. Then COVID kind of came around. And, you know, at the beginning, everybody was scared. Nobody really knew what was going on. But we kind of figured it out, right? And all of a sudden, things started not to add up and make sense. And still, we're closing down schools. And we're we're doing all kinds of things. And our kids are paying the price. Um, if you look at our test scores in the last two years since COVID, it's it's abysmal what's happened. Right. There was no reason. I mean, I kept, I helped keep a hockey league. I helped keep a baseball league. I helped keep different organizations functioning and running during COVID. And Monroe Catholic stayed open. There were several other schools and charters that stayed open. There was no reason for our kids to suffer like they have. So it was just one thing after another. And I said, you know what? I, I got to do something. Uh, David Cruz up here has been um, actually kind of instrumental in helping me over the last three years. Like, hey, you really need to do something. You should really get up and say something. And then it kind of came to a head and I texted him. I said, hey, David, I'm doing it. Right. And he goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to run for school board. He said, you get it. Right. I remember that feeling. I did the same thing when I ran for the assembly after watching the, you know, just the infighting and the squabbling and the stuff and and nobody finding solutions. And I thought, I'm going to make a change. And five years of pain later, it was, uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, look, uh, I, I think this is important. I mean, you bring up a lot of the issues uh, that I think people are concerned about when it comes to schools. Uh, you know, we yeah. look we look at the, uh, you know, we look at the scholastic achievement. Alaska ranks in the bottom, 48th, 49th, 50th in, in everything from math and STEM and science and reading and everything else. Uh, I mean, our graduation rates, one in four students still do not graduate from high, from yep. high school. And even when they do graduate going into college, you know, most of them, majority of them have to take remedial level math classes just to be able to take a 100 level math class in college. I mean, that we're, we're, sp we're spending so much money and yet we're getting these really poor results, um, you know, and you've got questions and yet you see the bar charts where it shows the student enrollment declining down and yet the administrative and the overhead costs go up. Now, I don't think that's the teachers. I think, I mean, now they've got counselors for counselors and, you know, all these other things and, and administrators. Admins for admins. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> and you got to start asking the question. I mean, when only 40% of every dollar is actually making it into the classroom, what, you know, what is the solution here? So what is the solution, Melissa Burnett? Tell me what you think uh, needs to be done. Uh, the solution is we start listening to our community um, that that really truly is the solution. Um, we need to start listening to the people who are putting the kids in school. When we do that, 
the kids come back and that increases our dollar. And I know that everyone's like, well, you know, that's a complicated process. Well, I understand that. And I know I'm only one person, but I know that there are things that we can do. Like, let's bring back some respect and support for our teachers. Um, let's stop padding downtown and focus on our school buildings and, and put the focus there. When we put the focus there, People want to put their kids back in school because all of a sudden, guess what? They trust the district again. Right now, we're not trustworthy. Right now, we are not an attractive school board, but we can be. And that's my goal. I want to bring this board together. You know me, Dukes. I have always been that person that can talk to people. I, you know, I listen very well. Um, and I want to hear all sides. But what I also want to do is look at some of these board members and say, hey, our children need to be the focus and not your agenda. Knock it off. Let's focus on what's important and let's fix this issue. Let's get our teachers back so we can increase our enrollment, lessen our class sizes. And then guess what? It all starts coming into play. Everything one by one starts fixing. I'm looking at the three years from now. Three years from now, I want this to be a district where we're back on top again. Well, you may have your wish as far as class sizes go. I mean, one of the silver linings of the pandemic is people figured out that it, they can school their own kids. They've discovered that that's, yeah. a, that's a viable thing. It's not as scary and spooky as they thought it was because they were forced yeah. into it. And now you're seeing more and more students being taken out, putting into homeschools, into learning pods, uh, charter schools, uh, self-learning. I mean, whatever it is. And uh, and I think uh, to me, that's one of the silver one of the few silver linings out of the covid pandemic as people figured that out because we've been doing that for years. Yeah. Um, but it's also a bad time for the school district because, again, they're losing those kids. Uh, you know, they've got building maintenance that they've been deferring for years. I mean, I don't know if they ever uh, finished uh, all the deferred maintenance on the schools. When I left, um, I fought to get that deferred maintenance fund set up for the schools so that they would actually fix them. Uh, are there are, is any of that stuff getting done? Or are they still sitting on a bunch of deferred maintenance and doing all that kind of stuff? They're still sitting on a bunch of it. Um, actually, if you go look, um, there's things that are in now phase two. I think a couple things are in phase three, but no, everything's still in disrepair. There is so much maintenance that still needs to be done. Heck, um, Hutch, we. Um, I'm sure people are aware of what happened with Hutchinson High School. They had to start late because uh, we got those bad windstorms. Well, guess what? We had no maintenance, and we couldn't fix the thing, the panel, um, and it took forever. We finally get some guys in there. We finally get the part in, and luckily the kids got to go back to school a little earlier than planned, but that's that's where we are. That's exactly yeah. where we are. Um, Tannenau Middle School. Oh, my goodness. That that school is in such disrepair. Those classrooms need to be fixed so bad. Pearl Creek, um, it, it's so bad. Yeah. It, and we, we definitely got our work ahead of us. We got $11 million budget shortfall, and it's only going to get worse. So we've, we've definitely got our work set out for us. Yeah. No, exactly. And I think, you know, what it's going to take is, again, looking at that balance between teaching and instruction staff and administrators and overhead, uh, looking at how we can make it more efficient. And and I guess my question is, you know, is the system is the system fundamentally broken? I mean, we've poured ever increasing amounts of money into the education system in this state over the last 20 years. We spend more than almost any other state in the country uh, on education, and yet we have the lowest achievements and everything else. I mean, so I guess the question is, you know, do you try and unpickle a pickle or do you just throw it away and get a new one. Do you, do you have to fundamentally say something is broken and we need to fix it? I mean, what what's your thought? Well, you know, I've actually been asked this question a few times and what my thoughts are about it. Um, I would like to think 
that it's not broken because the thought of the fact that we might just have to scrap it and start from the beginning, that's a very scary thought. But at the same time, I'm willing to do that work. Um, and it might just be at that point where we kind of got to right. go back to square one and say, okay, let's kind of dismantle this and let's piece it together and let's build this around our teachers and then go from there. Right. Um, it, it just might be what we have to do. Well, and I, I don't know if we need to necessarily tear it down to the ground, but I think a fundamental restructuring of it is probably yeah. uh, is probably due, uh, if nothing else. We're coming down to the last couple minutes here, Melissa, so I want to give you a chance for your elevator pitch, why people should vote for you, what makes you different than your opponent, um, and how folks find out more about you and where they go to vote. Definitely. So, um, like I said, my name is Melissa Burnett, running for school board CD. Today is election day. Um, you can find me, Melissa Burnett, for school board on Facebook. I'm also at melissaforalaska.org. Please check me out. Um, the Fairbanks Arts Bureau also has amazing candidate pamphlets that um, we all filled some stuff out in. Um, everything that I'm about is all right there. Um, what separates me from my opponent is, you know what, I'm a mom of three kids and I am in this community, have been for 16 years. I coach, I manage, I'm on boards for uh, youth organizations. I am with these kids, not just five of them. I'm with hundreds of kids on a daily basis. I listen to their parents. I hear, I hear them. And I know what we need is a change. And I think I have something to offer when it comes to that. Being a mom, being with these kids on a daily basis, being in our community and giving so much back. I just want to help make sure that our kids have the best possible futures available. I want to increase the value of the education which we are providing. And I know that we can do that as long as our board can get along. And that's my plan. So please get to the polls today. If you live in Fairbanks, you live in the North Star Borough uh, area. My seat, this is at large. We are on your ballot. If you're in the borough, we are on the ballot. Please, Les Nichols, myself, we need to get on this board so that we can help and fix things. Um, please get out there and vote. Let your voice be heard. Um, it's the most important thing you can do. It's election day. Polls are open until 8. Um, you can find, I actually have a precinct uh, thing on my school board page, Melissa Burnett for school board on Facebook. You can go find your polling place right there. Get to the polls. They're open till eight. And I guess one final question, too. You're not specifically talking just about getting more funding for schools. You're talking about fixing what's fundamentally broken. Yes, fixing what's fundamentally broken. And we need funding, but we need community answers for the funding. And we need to, yes, fix what's fundamentally broken. And hopefully we can do that. I am looking forward to the work. It's going to be hard. I'm only one person. But these kids are worth it. Our teachers are worth it. And I'm going to do what it takes. Well, you're uh, running a little bit of an uphill battle here. But uh, just like Don Quixote, you'll keep hitting that windmill until it eventually topples over. I know you will. Yes, uh, sir. And so hopefully you and Les uh, can get in there and, and make a difference and uh, and bring some of this stuff together and make uh, and make those school systems uh, better than they were when you got there. Yes. So Melissa Burnett, uh, Fairbanks North Star Borough School Board for District D. Again, all those seats are at large, just like the assembly seats. They have letter, they have letters yep. next to them, but it doesn't matter. Everybody votes for everybody. So, Melissa, thanks for coming on board this morning. It was good to talk with you. Hey, thanks, everyone. Thank you, Duke, so much. I'll see you later. Bye. Right. Good luck with that, and we will uh, talk with you here. Uh, we'll talk with you later. Melissa Burnett, uh, our guest here this morning. We are up against it. And uh, that means we're going to jump. Chris Story, the man from Homer, is coming up next. The Michael Duke Show.
Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will return with more here in just a moment and get that life coaching lesson we've been looking for. That's up next with Chris Story. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, we're in the break. Hello, my friends. Hello. Um, let's see. What is, uh, what are you guys talking about in here? What are you guys doing? What are you talking about? Um... Scrolling backwards here for a bit to see what's going on. Is it, I saw Susie uh, is up there. Is it, uh, it's not, the, it's not the municipal election in the, on the, in the peninsula today, is it? Uh, I, I guess bad me peninsula. Peninsula clarion. Uh, is it, is it the, uh, is it the, it's not the, it's not the voting day. Is it today on the peninsula as well? I mean, it may be. I may have totally missed it. Um, absentee voting already underway. Uh, all right. So I don't know. You guys, somebody who's on the peninsula can tell me. Uh, is it uh, is it voting? Is it voting day on the peninsula? Because um, I know that the uh, I know that the Matsu has had theirs, and now Fairbanks is having theirs. I can't keep track. I can't keep track of all these uh, different. Uh, Voting days uh, that are going on out there. Um, let's see. Uh, Sandy said, um, Barbara explained about the governor candidates being quiet at this time, not wanting to step on the municipality election's toes. Brad and Michael, did you not see that? I mean, you know, yeah, maybe I understand about not going whole hog. Uh, you know, during the municipal elections, but radio silence is different than radio silence is different than just being low key and quiet. You know, yes, municipal elections on the peninsula, said uh, Sid Sherry. All right. So today is Election Day for both the interior and the peninsula. Thank you, folks. Sorry. You know, again, I can't. It's a big state. I can't keep track of everything. Uh, all right. Um, hey, the phone is ringing. Why? 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 Why is the phone ringing? Well, that's because Chris Story is old fashioned and he doesn't want to get with the times and be on the video like everybody else. Um, but I guess beggars can't be choosers. Hello, friend. How are you? Nice, some some nice bullying going on here already. Yeah, I yeah. love it. You saw that. You saw that. You you saw right through my ploy of bullying you to get on the video like every other person that's on the show. I uh, heard through it. I want to be unique. I want to be a, a raconteur. I, he's like, I never want to show my face. Never. Right. I want to be the mystery guest that nobody looks like. Oh, face for radio. Oh, wait, wait. Dukes just put his face up on the page. So, okay, maybe never mind. People are going to see your face, so it's fine. You just don't want to tell the. You just don't want to let people know the fact that you're wandering around in your underwear right now. That's why you don't want to do the video. Precisely, and it is election day here on the peninsula. Right. Um, school bonds, you know, things like this. 
School bonds. Oh man, you want to talk about a sore subject? Um, what's the what's the what's the feel? Well, give me what are your thoughts on school as a as a property owner and as a guy who deals in property ownership and uh, and has a few yourself and everything else. Tell me your thoughts on bonding of uh, of maintenance and other things for property. What are, what are your thoughts, Chris Story? I support education in the children. <laughs> wow. He's like, I don't want to trigger a single person here. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I mean, trigger actually is a triggering word. It's um, trigger. Don't trigger guns me. Guns have triggers. Guns have triggers. I'm triggered by your triggering. Hey, what's uh, your. What's your thought on the coalition against the constitutional uh, convention? What's the one thing you think that that coalition against it wants to stop the Alaskan people from amending their constitution for? What's, what's the biggest? Well, I don't know if there's that? one thing. I think they definitely I don't think. want to see the PFD enshrined. And I think that there is a big chunk of them that want to make sure that abortion remains legal uh, through the privacy clause. I think those are the two big things that are driving it right now. All you have to do is look at the people who are supporting the Defend Our Constitution group, which is the anti-con-con group. Just look at the people who are supporting it. Just look at the co-chairs. Just look at, I mean, you could see it all. You could see it all. And, and the funding. Do, do, the you funding. Want, do you want to talk about this before we jump into a, a feel-good segment? Or? No. Okay. No, all I'm right. just not hearing the, hold the on. bumper. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Uh, welcome back to the program. The Michael Duke Show continues. I thought we were going to get a good snapshot here of the political situation with Chris Story. But he's bowed out of that. He's he's going to try and stay positive. Nobody wants to talk I, about politics anymore. It's like getting your blood pressure up. I just like getting your blood pressure up before we jump into the, the positivity right. segment. You just, fun. It's like just it's like saying a dirty word right before we go back on the air so that I'm all flustered when you come back to it. You know, it's just one of those things. Poking <laughs> it makes the, me look calm. I know, poking the bear. All right. Um so Chris Story, pot stirrer extraordinaire. What um what what's what 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 do you got for us on our teaching agenda today? How are you going to teach us how to make our lives better? What is the topic for the program this morning? I've got nothing for you. Um, I've got just one hint, and that would be that um, I've coined a new a new term. A, a trademark's pending, so okay. It just I, I caution you to use this delicately in your, right. your ongoing conversations right. today because you, you could owe me for it. But it's the the word is yuru. Why you are you yuru yuru, which is which is a a term that stands for the way of your inner guru. 
I'm sorry. The way of my inner guru. Okay. That's right. All right. The way of my inner guru. All right. So you, Rue, I mean, it sounds like something I need to take a pill for, but go ahead and <laughs> t- tell or me. Or it kind of sounds like a chocolatey uh, milk. Well, that's true. It could be like a chocolatey thing or something that the doctor pre- prescribed a cream for. Um, all right. So you, Rue, um, tell me about the way to my inner guru. What, what, uh, f- fold this back for me. Give it, give it to me. I was thinking, well, I was reading, uh, just reread a, a little book. It's a short little book. You could sit and read it in one, one sitting. It's called Do the Work by Stephen Pressfield. And he, he's the uh, most infamous for having written The Legend of Agar Bantz and, and an, uh, another one called uh, The War of Art, a lot of people know. But anyway, um, he said something really profound. He said, you know, if you were to take up residence as the only human being on, say, Venus or Mars, You'd take with you your inner doubts. You could be the only person completely on this one planet, uh, a trillion light years from where we are today, and yet you'd have inner doubts. You'd have you'd be all alone, and yet you'd have that bully within asking this question, the all important question: Who do you think you are? Oh, you think you can succeed, huh? Oh, oh, you think you deserve abundance, or oh, who do you think you are? That. That is inside every single person, whether they admit it or not. Every single person has self-doubt. Um, every single person has some inability to cope with success or failure and has that constant little critic inside or that inner guru that is just really a big bully. So I thought to myself, how could you take and turn that on its head? If this is true, and I think it is, that we have that inner critic, we have that voice, that still not so quiet, small voice in our mind that really is admonishing us. How can we take and, and literally tackle that bully or that guru inside and make it work for you? And then, hence, you, Rue, uh, trademark patent pending. And, you know, I owe you a quarter every time I say Yuru, Yuru, Yuru. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know, exactly. The pot, the pot rings. Uh, we all have that inner voice of doubt, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we, we live with it constantly. Like you said, we could be the only person on earth and we'd still have doubt. Yes. That is that, you know, that is that still small voice of, uh, oh, you're not really good enough to do that. Or you're not, but we got to harness it. We got to find a way to exactly. overcome it. We Leverage gotta, it. Yeah. We got to find a way to, to make it our own. And, uh, so do, I mean, do we squash it? How do, how do we, I mean, how do we leverage it versus trying to, I guess, suppress it? I think, you know, the answer to that you know the answer to the big questions of life. You know what a life on purpose looks like. People say, oh, I'm looking for my purpose. or Is is it purpose or passion? Which should you bring to work with you? And what does it look like? You know what you should do more of. You know what you should do less of. You know what you should, you know you should read more and watch less. Eat less, move more. We know it. You know you should care more. You know you should express yourself more. You know... You should mouth off less. You should, you know, you you know what you should not be doing and what you should be doing, what you should have finished, what you shouldn't have ever started. Uh, You know, it's not too late. You know that you don't need somebody else to come along and tell you it's not too late. It's nice once in a while. Everybody wants to matter. Everybody wants to know they matter. Everybody wants to get the pat on the back. That's just human nature. But I think to really harness that inner 
critic or that inner voice or, or tackle that inner bully and make it work for you is simply to get still. We talk about that still small voice. Get still yourself and listen and observe and, and notice what comes up and notice what those thoughts really are pointing you towards. And if I'm right, and I think I am, your intuition isn't an accident. Your intuition, this inner guru, isn't there by mistake. It's there on purpose. But you have to quiet the bully and just listen to it for a little while. And it, and it will, I think, exhaust itself to a point where then your inner knowing in that, that inner guru inside of you will, will be able to shout it down or talk a little bit more loudly than the bully. And you can start to listen to that and listen to your intuition more. Your gut knows. <laughs> so... I guess, let me put this in plain English, uh, you're saying beat it into submission, essentially, is what you're saying. Yeah, you know what, I but mean, you could, even just shutting off the noise of the world for a while, even just shutting off the white noise of the world that drowns out that voice. So which, if there are two voices within, which one's going to, you've, you've mentioned this adage before on, on the, this segment about feeding which wolf will, will win, um, the evil or the, the good, and which one you feed. So listen for a little while. Let the bully exhaust itself. And I, I think that the inner guru, I think that your true knowing and intuition will rise and begin to be louder and take over. And I think it starts with maybe if you want a prescription, Rejoice in gratitude for who you are. Rejoice and have gratitude for the fact that God did not make a mistake in creating you. And the mistakes you've made uh, are in your past. You might make more into the future, but rejoice with gratitude that you've overcome and what you've overcome. And be grateful for having gone through some trials and tribulations. I am grateful for having started my real estate firm at the exact wrong time in the history of America to have started one because those first initial years helped. We have the scar tissue. We have the scar tissue and the, the, the persistence has paid us back later and having gone through that. But it's about gratitude and rejoice. I think truly, if you're looking for a prescription, I think those are the two. It reminds me of an old um, uh, ditty axiom, something like that. You know, two a ditty, a p ditty, yeah. Uh, it basically goes along the lines of you know, two natures beat within my breast, or two voices beat within my breast. One is cursed, the other's blessed. The one I fear, the one I hate, but the one I feed will dominate. Um, and I think that's that's exactly it. You've got two voices. You've got the voice of optimism and positivity and gratitude, and you've got the voice of negativity and self doubt and everything else. Whichever one you feed is the one that will eventually come out on top. and But the problem is, as you point out, is that it's easy to give in to the doubt. It's easy to give in to the fear and the self-loathing and some of those other things. That's the easy path. It's harder to feed the voice that says, you can do this, you know? So-and-so did it, and you're no different than them. Just just go do it, you know? Be grateful for what you have. Quit Quit whining about what you don't. Quit pining for the things that somebody else has and go get them. Go go do the work. You can do it. There's nothing different than you, than, than anybody else. Or maybe there is something different and you've got something that they don't. You could get there faster. I mean, fi- you know, find the positivity and the, and the, and the, and the uh, you know, the, the, the plus, the love uh, uh, aspect of it instead of the fear, doubt, self-loathing, whatever it is, don't feed that voice. And I think you're right, and it's a connectedness. 
understanding you are connected to God. You are connected to the source of all life. You are connected to abundance. But with abundance comes the flip side, which is lack. And you can be connected to either by choice. And I believe this is an abundant world. I believe there is more than enough food. I believe there's more than enough money. I think we all start out with the same amount of time in every single day. And it's how we use it, but it's also what we focus on. And understanding that you can focus on a connectedness to abundance and you have an inner inner voice that can become stronger and you can develop the six pack on your inner guru by simply listening to it and following the intuition that you know. And I think it's that knowing that I really think overcomes and overwhelms the doubt and the bully, the bully within that, that criticizes and looks in the mirror and it focuses on the carbuncle versus uh, the, the rest of your skin, which is radiant, the rest of your soul, which is, you know, unblemished. You've got that voice and it's just drowned out by so much outside, but then even louder, I think still going back to Pressfield's point about being the only person on Mars, you have a loud voice within that could easily beat you in the submission. And I think let it exhaust itself and then listen for your real knowing. And the real guru within, Michael, say it with me. You. Yeah, you. That's right. Um, Getting t-shirts made this afternoon. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear anything after you said the word carbuncle. That was pretty much it. That's <laughs> after <laughs> People are like, what's that? It's a boil. All right. It's a boil. Um, um, okay. Uh, and again, this all stems and starts with what we talk about here frequently, which of course is that moment of quiet self-reflection. I mean, is, is that not the hardest thing in the world these days? I mean, since we're constantly inundated with messages and computers and, and notifications and, and candy crush and whatever it is that we're doing. It just seems like that has become the hardest thing in the world these days is a moment of quiet phone on silent radio off sitting in your car, looking at the sky quietly think. I mean, it just seems almost anathema to who we are as a people today. Yeah. By choice. And, and that, that gives us the power back to say it is a choice. It's not foisted upon you. Nobody's thrust that, um, that computer into your pocket 24 seven. It is a choice. And if you choose it, then you could choose the opposite. Just like, just like there's two opposite, there's two opposing forces within one that is for your benefit, the other, which is holding you back. It depends on what you focus on and, and listen to, but I agree that, um, rejoicing and finding time to reflect on gratitude and even being grateful for the obstacles, grateful for the, the darkness because it, it exposes you to the light. And that's right. This, I prefer the sunshine over the rain. That's right. I'm glad I've experienced both. Right. It, it can sound, it can sound pedantic. It can sound almost, um, just saccharine and, and simply syrupy sweet to some that are mostly listening to their inner pessimist at this moment in time and, and saying, can we just get back to what matters? And yes, you can in a moment, but for this moment, what if I'm right? What if that inner guru is there for you and could make a difference tenfold in your life in the next month or less if you would literally just listen? Yeah. Uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer, Yuru. Mm. Oh, you a quarter. Um, checks in the mail. Checks in the mail. That's right. Uh, the 
Uh, anyway, uh, the book is called The Backyard Millionaire. Uh, it's also called Born to Live. It's also called Making of Man, and his newest one is coming. Oh, we're so close to it here. It's not uh, not too far out. You've got the new one. I, how's it How's it coming? I mean, give me a... Good. I've just got a couple people left to kill. And, just a couple uh, people. <laughs> I, I, two yeah. more deaths, I think, is going to be the end of it. You would never think that this kind of mayhem could happen in a small Alaskan town, but it is getting bloody. Man, it's but like it's like, it's like Chicago down there, man. It's like, you know, yeah. it's like a weekend in Chicago. Uh, down a holler in Kentucky. That's right, uh, down in Homer. Uh, Chris' story, his website is ilovehomeralaska.com. You could find him there. You can also listen to him on the air on the stations of KPEN every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 p.m. He comes on board to talk about real estate and philosophy and politics. And, I mean, it's weird. It's a weird show. But it's good. Go go listen to it. Was that a, was that a pitch? Was that an adequate pitch, my I friend? I loved it, Michael. It was a yeah. delicious plug that allows you to use URU at will. URU. Free license. Exactly. URU at will. All right. Chris Story, uh, the man from Homer. Thank you, my friend. Uh, don't go anywhere. I need to talk to you real quick. Uh, folks, uh, that is it for this segment. Uh, Chris Story, our guest. And now, one final segment ahead. One final segment ahead. We're gonna we're gonna take some calls. We're gonna open up the phone lines because why not? The Michael Duke Show, Cottagehead's Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. What is that? Common sense, regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Okay, so really, I mean it. What bond issues? I gotta know. I mean, you are the you are the property guru. You are the real estate private property kind of tell. I mean, I gotta know what what is your take on uh, somebody in the chat room just said the Kenai Peninsula School District is got on its bond packages a whole slew of new offices for the district. Um, and he said, if it wasn't on that package, I would be for the bond package. I will live with our leaky roofs and hazardous parking before I vote for district offices, folks getting new offices. Um, I, I just, I just want to know, because I, I guess I'll go first. My personal feeling on most bond issues is that I will vote no almost every time because they always include things like deferred maintenance and other things. Now, if you've got a bond issue for a new building that is needed, it's not duplicative, that is not, and it's got an, and it's got a uh, fiscal note on it that tells you how much it's going to cost into the future, including maintenance costs and everything else. I might vote for that, but anything else, I just find offensive that they want to leverage my property to pay for maintenance that they should have paid for in the past. That's my take. What's Chris Story's take? Yeah, I, t- I tend to agree. I-, I wish I had the answer because we do need the infrastructure. We do utilize schools within our small communities, uh, even in Anchorage, I'm sure, in Fairbanks, um, for community centers in a lot of ways. So I, I-, I-, I look at it with the-, with the respect that, you know, the facilities do need maintenance. Um, we-, we obviously need to-, to pay staff and so forth and, and still have a way to get funding for these facilities, which we, again, we right. all utilize right. every time 
you know, we utilize one of those buildings as a taxpayer, even if you don't have children. Um, they're they're there, they're available, they're community centers. So it's it's a tough one. Well, I agree though, with respect to a top heavy, we are top heavy relative to to management. I don't think and, and maybe I could be wrong, but I'm not really certain that we need new district offices. But I do know somebody who's in healthcare in the Sylvanaquina area who said that there's a great deal of uh spores and, and uh problems environmental problems with with a lot of schools and buildings right. so I, i'm well, really not sure what to say let, about it. let me say this look i agree with you they're used as community buildings and everything else yeah. here's what offends me is when we come to the fact that many of these buildings have got you know i, I think there's a special place in hell probably the ninth level of hell for the guy who thought up the idea of deferred maintenance because deferred maintenance is basically saying, look, we've got this money to fix this school roof or paint it or demold or do whatever we need to do. But you know what? We've got this other thing that we really need to pay for right now. So let's defer the maintenance on that till later. And then we'll bond it and we'll pay on it for 20 years, the maintenance that we should have right. done anyway. It's, it's shell game, shell game with our money. And it, it and is. When people are decrying on the one hand affordable housing and then continually voting to raise uh, bonds and taxes through taxes it, they don't go hand in hand so it yeah. is something that needs to be thought about no. very, very carefully and it, i will be voting out. you know any any building that goes up like i said should have a fiscal note as to the ultimate cost uh that was something that i fought for in the fairbanks north star borough that they we would require fiscal notes for any new building yeah. that had a 10-year uh a 10-year projection of what the cost of the building would be for payments, maintenance, upkeep, heat, everything, so that we had a full snapshot of what that building was really costing us instead of, oh, it's $12 million and the state's paying 70% of it, so it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. No, well, not yeah. if you don't put any maintenance money into it for 15 years. I mean, you In know. In the shell game of deferred maintenance, we see that through all municipalities and cities, and it's oh. just. I mean, it is something that needs to be cleaned come up. On, the zero baseline budgeting. Yeah, come on. The Fairbanks North Star Borough, it was discovered after I left, and I've been warning about this for years. It was discovered by Mayor Carl Castle, who was shocked, shocked, I tell you, that they had a quarter of a billion dollars in deferred maintenance. That's with a B. 270 something billion or million dollars in deferred maintenance, a quarter of a billion dollars for a town or a community of 90,000 people. That's a problem. Sorry, I didn't mean to get you got me. You, it's your, your fault. I did. It's your well, fault. actually, I didn't. You brought it up. I, I know. But I, know. That, I like to blame you, though. I wanted to blame you yes. because I could. Uh, uh, maybe next week we'll do a segment on personal responsibility. Oh, see, there you go. Personal <laughs> responsibility. All right, my friend. Well, thank you for coming on board and uh, and sharing with us. We we that is fun. It is my favorite. It's one of my favorite segments of the week. I got to tell you that because you are sorry, Brad. You are a man among men. <laughs> That's what happened in there. So, uh, Chris Story, thank you, sir. I hope you have a good show today and a great day. Thanks, Michael. All right. Pre care. Appreciate you calling in. All right. Chris Story, the man from Homer. Um, okay. <laughs> Maybe I want to talk about this because now I'm pissed about it. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Should I continue on my deferred maintenance rant? Tell, say yes in the chat room if I should. If I should continue on my deferred maintenance rant, oh, shnikes, let me uh, let me turn the phones on real quick. Come on. Come on. I only got 12 seconds to get this thing done. 
Come on, Nelly. We're going to get it. Uh, all right, turning the phones on. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Thanks for calling the call in line. At a- Okay. All right, let's uh, let's dive into this. I just I got into a little bit of a rant phase. That I know it was only four minutes, but how did how did you go from zero to a hundred in four minutes? Well, let me tell you, son. Here's how it works. I start talking about things like deferred maintenance, which are my biggest pet peeve ever. Let me just tell you one thing. Uh, my default vote on any bond issue is always a hard no to begin with. Now, I mean, that's my default. Like, I walk into the booth. Oh, I haven't. Oh, yep. No. Now, maybe somebody could sell me on the idea of creating a new facility or a new building. And I would be for it. I would be for indebting the community and putting up my property for bond, which is what you're doing with a bond issue. You're guaranteeing payment of that bond with your property. Um, maybe I would uh, be for that if, uh, again, somebody could show me not only the initial cost of a building, although, of course, the answer is always, well, that's a $10 million building, but the state's going to pay $7 million of it, so don't worry about it. It's like free money. Don't worry. It'll be fine. Um, but, of course, they never talk about the cost of heating, lighting, maintaining the building. Doing the capital projects and the long-term maintenance to uh, to do those things. I mean, these are all things that just are, uh, you know, it's so uh, astonishing that this is where we get, uh, you know, we, we spend millions of dollars and then we're shocked, shocked. We've, you know, when the when the buildings, you know, start to break down because we didn't put any money into them. Um. If you want to call in on this, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. This hour of the program, by the way, being brought to you by our friends at Satellite West, satellitewest.com for communications. If you want to send an angry text message from the Brooks Range, you call those guys. You want to go up and surf up and figure out on the Internet what your borough has been spending on deferred maintenance, you can do it from the Brooks Range with your friends at Satellite West or make a phone call into the program. That's how you do it right there. Um, uh, you know, I it, it, it's so frustrating to me, this whole idea of deferred maintenance. Basically, we have the money to fix the schools and the buildings and the facilities that we have, but we can't do it because we've got some other program that's super important. And so we'll just defer that maintenance. And then down the road, what we'll do is we'll just bond and borrow the money from you to fix what we should have fixed before and pay on it for 20 years. When they knocked down Nordale School in Fairbanks, I had to laugh because we were still paying on bonds for a building that had been knocked down. We still had eight or nine years worth of bonds to still pay on a building that they had bulldozed into the ground and then built a new one next to it. Because, you know, I mean... 
All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Barbara in North Pole. How you doing? Hello, Barbara. What's on your mind? Well, what's on my mind is uh, these municipal elections in Fairbanks that are today. And I hope people get out there and go vote. Uh, I guess during the debate that came out that uh, there are some members of the Borough Assembly who want a first-class borough. And they want to implement this climate change plan and got some really restrictive land use provisions on it. Um, and the money's not there for a climate change plan. Uh, Brett Roderman and I, Barbara Haney, have been running to uh, maintain a first, a second-class borough and to uh, keep our government clean and uh, keep your freedom. So if you get out there today, the issues are pretty big. Uh, you thought your assessments were bad this year? <laughs> Just wait till you're a first-class borough. Right. So All please right. get out there, vote. Barbara and Brett, Les and Melissa. All right. So I right. appreciate it, Barbara. Thank you so much. So Barbara, Brett, Melissa, and Les, those are the names to try and bring a more balanced conservative approach to the borough assembly and the school board. Um, that it is what it's there. And again, if there is a school bond issue on the ballot, I think you need to think very, very, very carefully before you uh, or a ballot, excuse me, a bond issue at all, whether it's a school bond or a regular bond. I think you need to look at it. It was for the children, somebody says. Yes, yes. Um, I, I, I just, I gotta, I gotta ask. How, how's it going? How's that working out for us? How is that working out for us? So today is election day in the interior, and it is election day down on the peninsula. And so you need to make sure that whatever you're doing today, you get out and you vote. Because if you don't vote, I don't want to hear your bitching later on, okay? I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it because you had an opportunity. Now, if you do vote, feel free to gripe all you want. But meanwhile, if you don't vote, then shut your pie hole. That's, that's what I'm saying right there. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go over to another call. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Carlene and Kodiak. Well, hello there, darling. Again. What's going on? Hello. About the deferred maintenance. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Excuse me. I often think of neighbors who are just scraping by. We can't afford to make those kind of mistakes anymore. I mean, if, if the saying, um, if you don't learn from your mistakes, history is doomed to repeat itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and then over to what Brad Keithley brought up on Ada, I just read the book, and I'm going to read it again, Extreme Conditions, Big Oil and the Transformation of Alaska, John Strohmeyer. He was a Pulitzer Prize winner, and then he taught, was invited to come to Alaska to teach at the university, and then he did a tremendous amount of research during those years even went back when they found in 1919 oil in uh, Prudhoe Bay. First, I watched America's Wildest Refuge on Anwar, watched four or five nights straight. And then I got into the book Extreme Conditions, which is the history. And then money was just blown, lent out. Uh, Even Governor Hammond 
meet a, a few big whoppers there. But there's a whole chapter on, like, the ADA, mm-hmm. where money is invested in Alaska. It wasn't right. just that we didn't make any money on it. They were abject failures and bankruptcies. Boondoggles, and yep. Grand- ending. Yeah, no, and and that's, again, what happens a lot of times when you get politics injected into a situation like that where it should be about finances and fiduciary issues, and instead you get politics in there and they're like, oh, we need this, we have to do it, spend money on it, and then it fails, and then the, and everybody else is pointing the fingers at each other. You're right. Uh, that's what happens a lot of times when you get all that big money in there and people think uh, you're too big to fail. I mean, that's kind of what it's at, uh, Carlene. I agree with you. And we can't afford those kind of mistakes anymore. Um, you know, when we got a quarter of a billion dollars of deferred maintenance in Fairbanks, uh, and and I don't know what it is in the Matsu or Anchorage, but I imagine it's even bigger, even bigger at that point. Uh, Carlene, as always, my dear, it's good to hear from you, and I appreciate your wit and wisdom. Thank you for coming on the program today. All right, folks, tomorrow on the show, we're going to uh, we're going to be diving into it. Uh, our guests are going to include uh, Russell Wyatt, running for District 19. He's a Democrat. He'll be in hour one, and then in hour two, the convention yes people will be joining us. I think Josh Church is who's going to be hanging out with us. That's coming up tomorrow on the program, and uh, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk with them, and um, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be good. I can't wait to see what you guys have to say. Uh, That's all coming up right here. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Make sure you check us out on Patreon to help support the show. Uh, Go to MichaelDukeShow.com and click on Join the Core. Be kind, love one another, live well. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. Have a good day. Well. Hello. Vote yes on one. Yeah, the tax cap. You got to vote yes on one, the tax cap. And that's the other thing about bond issues. They bypass tax caps. You got to love that. Got to love that. We won't increase the size and scope of government unless, of course, we bond, in which case, uh, hey, it's free money. Just, just, just pay attention to it. It'll be fine. Ah. Oof, man. All right, well, I'm going to go take a pill. I'll be back tomorrow. You should be too. Don't forget to like and follow the show page on Facebook. Subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. And don't forget to become a member of the Common Sense Core. You know it. It's how we support the show. Go do it. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash Michael Duke Show right there. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. Have a great day.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs>